11-year MLS pro Quincy Marroquois here, and you're now listening to The Perfect Soccer Podcast, where your host goes one-on-one to get to know your favorite professional soccer players, both on and off the pitch. Because how better to learn what it takes to become a pro soccer player other than directly from pro soccer players? Today's episode is brought to you by PerfectSoccerSkills.com, the number one and only platform you'll ever need to connect with and learn from pro soccer players. Learn more and enter to win weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to PerfectSoccerSkills.com PSTM to enter to win for free today. With that said, please enjoy today's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Perfect Soccer Podcast. Our special guest today is Darius Barnes. Darius, how's it going? Going well. Going well. How about yourself? Yeah, it's going pretty good. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, appreciate it. Looking forward to just hearing about your whole career, basically. No, thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, I know we've been trying to connect for a while, mm-hmm. so it's definitely good to, to be on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, uh, before we go into that, like, how is your dealing with the whole coronavirus uh how, how's that been going for you and your family uh been, been all right been mm-hmm. maintaining um sure can sympathize with, with everyone else it's definitely been been strange times mm-hmm. um definitely feel for those who have you know lost loved ones and you know i've been impacted a little bit more severely than myself so mm-hmm. um definitely thoughts and prayers go out to them but for myself it's so it's been strange times for sure, um, as everyone you know can can probably relate. But I'm just kind of doing the best we can. Hopefully, we're we're looking towards the end of it here now. But um, I guess the, the silver lining is just being able to spend some time with mm-hmm. friends and family and loved ones. Um, I got to have the chance to to go home to North Carolina and, and see see my family for a bit. So um, if there's a silver lining at all, that was probably it. Yeah, definitely agree with you on that. And then. Um but what what's your take on um, Black Lives Matter? I know you're just on a panel with a bunch of guys from uh, New England Revolution. Yeah, I think it's um, you know obviously the Black Lives Matter movement. And, and, you know, on the surface, they're you know their words, and I feel like a lot of people get caught up in the surface. Um, I think everybody knows. You know, we're not just saying Black Lives are the only ones that matter, but mm-hmm. you know, in the in the current times, and you know, some of the injustices that have gone on across across the world um, and specifically in, in the united states today um, i just think there needs to be be a bigger focus on kind of breaking that systematic racism um, that exists in the world today um, i feel like people have really been been blinded by you know the bubbles that you know all of us live in um, and it's time to kind of break down those barriers um, and for everyone to see the world through through other people's eyes and through other people's lenses and I think we're, you know, we're starting to, to make some progress. And I think people are starting to see a little bit of change. Um, but I hope that we can continue this momentum and this becomes becomes more of a norm that we're having these conversations to the mm-hmm. point where um, this is really not remarkable anymore. And it's more unremarkable um, because it's you know, part of our everyday lives and people, you know, really see each other eye to eye and see each other on an equal level. So I hope that, you know, the words and the lip service really start to match up with people's actions. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely agree with you on that too. Yeah, just going back in time, like, do you remember what your first memory was just playing soccer? Yeah, actually, um, you know, was started playing when I was 
when I was five years old, mm-hmm. a friend, a friend in kindergarten, him and his dad actually got into me. So we just, you know, happened to sit beside each other Indian style in, in kindergarten. And, you know, his dad asked me to sign up once we became friends. His dad asked me to sign up for, for a rec team and just kind of took off from there. And he ended up starting a travel team that took off and became became a pretty, pretty large club down in North Carolina. So it, it's crazy to think about, you know, where know where the game started and where i started with the game to where the game took me and the journey i'm on now yeah yeah definitely yeah and going into high school and your youth career did you i don't really know because sometimes it's different for players did you get to play like both like your travel team and in high school or one or the other yeah i was fortunate enough to be able to play you know for my club team in high school Mm -hmm. you know for me high school was more you know obviously it wasn't as competitive you know, and the, the level of talent was, wasn't as high, but, you know, it was a more of a, a social release for me, you know, just some somewhere where I got to, obviously I took soccer seriously, but it was a, a way for me to kind of kind of get away and not have as much competitive spirit and be, be as kind of turned on as I was playing in club. Club is where, you know, all my, you know, c- competitive juices were flowing and, you know, I was really trying to be the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where, you know, obviously that club ball is way more competitive and that's where you're playing against some of the elite talent um, and really, you know, testing yourself against the best of the best. So I, I was fortunate enough to be able to have both and they both provided me kind of different levels of, of escape and, that, you know, obviously different levels of soccer. Yeah. And then what what was your recruiting process like out of, out of high school? Yeah, so it was, for me it was, you know, obviously it's, it's very different these days. But me mm-hmm. it was kind of kind of old school I would say I got recruited you know playing club I played for Triangle Football Club down in North Carolina so we played some of the bigger clubs in North Carolina uh, Castle was one of them so we you know played all the travel tournaments you know across the you know across the country uh, played internationally a little bit um, with the club team and you know I was fortunate enough that the head and one of the coaches in the club I I was at, you know, he was a volunteer coach for Duke, so that really kind of got got me on the map a bit, and um, got invited to, to ESP camp where I was seen by a number of coaches, and you know, it was kind of overwhelming when all the all the letters start 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 to swarm in a bit. But ultimately, I, I always knew I wanted to to stay in state in North Carolina, you know, and be close mm-hmm. to my family where I could, you know, still go to a good school and play high level of competition. So. Ultimately, chose going to Duke, and you know, it was the best decision I've ever made. Yeah, what well, what was like your final like two or three schools that you were picking from? Yeah, well, I'm sure more people know this about me now than before, but I was a huge Carolina fan growing up, right. <laughs> which is a little bit of oxymoron. But um, I don't know, something just struck me with with Duke, and you know, the, the coaching staff and the relationships I um, started to build there with the co- the coaches and you know some of the, the current players on the team when I was being recruited. Um, so it felt like felt like home. Yeah, I was being heavily recruited by you know UNC, uh, Furman as well, Wake Forest a bit. So a lot a lot of ACC schools, uh, but I knew I wanted to to stay home. So really couldn't beat you know playing for a top yeah. at a top program like Duke and getting a top education. So it was it was a no brainer for me. Yeah, I mean that, I mean that's pretty crazy that you you said you you grew up at UNC fan. You had you had the offer right from UNC. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. at the offer, but um, I'm just kind of putting, yeah. you know, taking everything into perspective and accounting for for the total package for me. You know, mm-hmm. 
I just felt at home at Duke and like I said, had some relationships with players there and, you know, still have really good relationships with, you know, a lot of my former teammates. So mm-hmm. um, I just, you know, at that, that point in time, it just felt the best for me. Yeah. And then what, what was your overall experience like at Duke? It was amazing. You no, know, it was, it was, it was top notch for me. I really didn't know what to expect. I feel like the outside looking in, you have this perception of Duke of what it's like of, you know, kind of snobby stuck up people, but it was, it was nothing like that for me. It was, you know, met so many nice and genuine people, you know, like I said, friends that I still have to this day. And to be honest, I was a bit intimidated going in for, for the academic standpoint, but I think you learn, you know, once you get on campus, it's, it's one of those schools that's really, it's harder to get in. And if, if you get there and you, you know, commit yourself and dedicate yourself, you know, to doing the work, I think, you know, you know, you'll be fine. And, you know, ultimately learn that. And, you know, as with any college kid, you, you take your lumps and, you know, figure out, you know, how to best prioritize your time and prioritize your schedule, uh, especially being a student athlete. So it definitely taught me a, a lot of life skills um, that I carry with me today. Yeah, what about was was there a moment where like you knew you could go pro? Was there was it like in college? Was it before college? I know when I was playing club ball, I had aspirations mm-hmm. um, to go pro. Um, obviously, as you know, most little kids, they that's their their ultimate dream yeah. um, in the sport that they partake in or participate in. But um, I, I don't, I really don't think it was until my my freshman year where you know I had a had a great freshman year where you know my coach sat me down at the end of the year and said there were you know pro scouts interested and um you know pro coaches actually talking about me and that's when you know my eyes lit up and you know i really thought you know this dream of mine was was super achievable so um definitely kind of put my head in from there and really started putting in the work and started really prepping myself for the rest of my couple years at duke um to put myself in position to to go to mls um, because I knew I knew right then when, that's all I needed to hear was that you know there was a couple people that asked about me or interested um, you know while I was a freshman so mm. uh, I just knew I had you know three more years to continue to get better to really make this dream come to fruition. Yeah, and how was your draft day experience? Yeah, honestly, it was pretty pretty low key and mm. um, subdued. Uh, I was I was just at home with, with my family. Um, I had just I had gone to the combine, the MLS combine, um, and, and did pretty well there. Where you know, I actually remember playing against Quincy in, in the combine, um, and that's where like that's like one of my you know instant memories or first memories of Quincy, just knowing you know seeing the competitor he was and, and the bulldog he was on the field and the player he was, and you know for both of us to get get drafted in the same in the same year was you know pretty remarkable. But yeah, I came back from the combine and just. Uh, you know, I thought, thought I did well. Agent was telling me I could have gone higher than I than I went. But for me, I was I wasn't really concerned about where I went in the draft. I just wanted to go to to a club into a situation where I was going to be given an opportunity. And you know, ultimately, you know, uh, I got that call in the third round um, um, that New England had selected me. Yeah, and then can you give me like a walkthrough of like your first MLS game? Yeah, um, yeah, it was 2009 um, in San Jose. I'll never forget it really just just getting off the bus and you know for me I think that was pretty much the, the probably the perfect place where I could have started my career if you know, you know back then in 2009 San Jose played at played at Santa Clara so it was a really it was a small venue so I didn't really get you know too nervous or too afraid with, with the bright lights I really thought I'd be more nervous than I was but I just remember that 
that feeling and it was just kind of like you know everything just kind of had come out of me and you know I it was, I felt I felt really accomplished you know walking out for the starting lineup the national anthem all of that I was just kind of soaking it in and I felt like kind of that the previous you know 21 or 21 years of my life but the previous I guess you know 17 18 years of my my soccer career just kind of flashed before me and it it, it was just um it, it was a remarkable feeling just knowing that a dream that I I worked so hard for and had, you know, really put in a lot of hours on, you know, when that whistle blew, came to life. Um, but, you know, after that, it was, it was game time and, you know, the competitor and the warrior in you comes out and, you know, I believe we won one nil um, at San Jose my, my first game. So um, definitely a fun, fun moment, definitely a fun memory that, that I'll cherish. Not too many people get to say, you know, they, they made it to the professional level at, you know, at any capacity. So, um, that's def- definitely something I'll carry with me and be able to tell my kids, you know, mm-hmm. later on in life. Yeah, definitely. Um, did you know that you were the only, only the second rookie in MLS history to play every minute of every game? Uh, I found that out, <laughs> you know, probably after maybe yeah. a year year later than the 2009 season, my rookie season. Really had not something I was you know, set to do or thought yeah. about doing or you know strive for, but. You know, it's it is a it is a cool accomplishment to to look back on. You know, I was very fortunate, you know, to be able to play every minute of every game. You got to be, uh, you definitely got to be lucky in a sense. You know, I didn't get didn't get any injuries. You know, you're kind of a spring chicken out there and just very eager to go out there and play every day. And you know, like I said, you know, I wanted to get drafted to a team where they had a need. And fortunately, that that year I got drafted to New England where they they had needs for for a defender and for a center back. So. Um, that year, just kind of the stars aligned for me to, you know, to play every minute of every game. So mm-hmm. super fortunate and blessed that, you know, I was able to do that. Yeah, and then what, what did it mean anything to you that you got to play your whole career with one team? Yeah, it's pretty uh, it's pretty crazy yeah. um, that, you know, to, to play my whole career with, um, whole MLS career with one team, it you know, as you see, especially these days, you yeah. kind of see how players are, are traded and kind of bounce around. And um, MLS is just such a, a unpredictable league where you never really know um, just from you know contractual standpoint, especially at that point in time where a lot of contracts weren't weren't guaranteed. So, you know, there, there could be a time where you get cut right in the middle of the season. Um, so it, it really forced you to go out there and perform and earn your spot um, day in and day out. And that's the attitude I tried to take in. Um, every day to training and every day that I went into work, just trying to be the best, uh, best that I could be. And by, by no means was I was I the best player, but I tried to have the right the right attitude and put into work to to hone my skills and you know kind of kind of step into my role and really own my role um, on the team. And you know I think you know the attitude that I had is a testament to why I was able to stay in New England so long. Just trying to be you know a good teammate, and, you know the best player I could be, contribute on the field. And I think that. Uh, that speaks to why I was able to, you know, spend eight seasons in New England. Yeah, definitely rare because I interviewed about 20-something guys now, and you're the only one that was on one MLS team their whole career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit, um, you know, it, 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 like I said, it's great in New England, treated me treated me well, love, you know, I have nothing but love for New England and, you know, met some of my best friends and, um, you know, guys that, uh, we'll, we'll be in my wedding and that we still have group chats with. Um, so um, definitely have love, love for New England. But, you know, I can only imagine, you know, you know, guys who got to play in different areas. Obviously, you get to see live in different different cities. And obviously you meet 
meet different teammates and kind of a bigger group of people. So I can see the, the advantages to both, but I'm definitely fortunate that I was able to, you know, spend my career in New England. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I know you're a defender and you did have two goals. Do you remember who they were against? I do. You know, when you only have, <laughs> when you only have two, you, you, you remember those and you, you cherish those. So I, my, my first professional goal was against uh, New York Red Bulls. Um, I believe it was a tie the game up at 2-2. And then my second one was against Real Salt Lake, um, a diving header on, on Nick Romando. So um, I can give him some stick on that. I'm able to say that I scored against, you know, one of the, one of the best goalkeepers in league history. But um, I also remember that one because right before that, I think I got, I think I got called for a handball or, or something of that sort um, where Real Salt Lake had scored a penalty. Um, and then literally, I think about five minutes later, came back and scored on a free kick. So that one, that one was probably my, my best one if I had to if I had to put one above the other. Yeah, and then uh, what was your ultimate decision to retire in 2017? Yeah, so um, kind of a, a number of different things. Uh, my last year in MLS was 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've been in New England for eight years. Um, and so I was a free agent and really wanted to just kind of test the free agent market at that point in time, you know, free agency was kind of new and, you know, there's just a number of different factors going on. So ultimately that all season, I get called into, uh, a preseason with Seattle, trained well, did well, um, really thought I was going to sign on in Seattle that year. And, you know, um, we were in Charleston for preseason and the last preseason game, I, I tweaked my, my groin a bit. So Seattle basically said they couldn't sign an injured player, kind of brought me back to Seattle to, to do some rehab. Um, and my injury was taking a little bit longer. Um, and at that point in time, I think they had, they had moved on and found someone else as the season had started. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I went back. Um, agent came to me with an opportunity in the NASL uh, to play with the New York Cosmos. So um, jumped on that opportunity, um, saw it as an opportunity and a new challenge ended up coming to New York. Um, I'd always wanted to live in New York at some point in time in my life. So this was, this was, this was that time. So came to New York and I kind of, kind of knew this was going to start to be the, the, the end, the end of my career. So, you know, enjoyed, enjoyed my time with the Cosmos. And then kind of, I just kind of took that year to start preparing for, you know, career transitioning and seeing what I wanted to do afterwards. Mm-hmm. And there's really no better place in New York to start, you know, networking and meeting people and start sourcing opportunities so that's kind of really what i did that year while i was still focused on playing i kind of had one eye you know on the side as well figuring out what i wanted to do um because you know you can't play this game forever and you know you know you don't want to drag it on and start getting these real you know professional and corporate skills when you're Mm -hmm. you know too late in the game so i wanted to really start to, to hone in on that yeah, so, I mean, now that makes sense because then uh, you started working for the MLS and they're in New York, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was that was part of, you know, kind of how everything came to life and with the current role I'm in. You know, that, that last year playing in 2017, I would, you know, come over to the league offices and do some job shadowing. Ended up bumping to, to a former uh, competitor of mine, Kaylin Carr, I'm in a bar in Brooklyn. Um, and he kind of he works on the content team at MLS, so he like invited me in to to see kind of that part of the business and what they did. So I just started to meet people and sit sit people down and you know, have conversations and see 
see different parts of the business. And I, I knew I always wanted to stay connected to the game, but mm-hmm. um, at that point in time, I wanted to get away from the real, the comp- you know, the technical side or the competition side, being that I had been seeing that before and really learned the business behind it. Um, so ultimately, when I retired, I ended up land- landing a job in the kind of the corporate partnerships mm-hmm. department, um, basically managing a number of MLSs. Uh, corporate sponsors so i managed the likes of adidas audi mm-hmm. um, johnson and johnson mgm sea geek and southern new hampshire university um so managing their agreements with the league and their assets with the league yeah it's awesome um now do you think you think that helped you just like you're basically you like you stayed in the game of soccer like right after soccer yeah, no, I definitely think it was it was beneficial mm-hmm. for me um, and helps me in my role now. Mm-hmm. I like I said, I, I wanted to stay connected to the game and still be involved and contribute in some capacity. Um, it would all, it would it would have been tough to to kind of quit and leave the game cold turkey. So obviously, still been able to, to go to matches and you know see matches, you know follow players, you know still be in touch with players. Um, and just kind of helping from the revenue generating side, just seeing it from a different angle has been um, kind of eye opening for me, but uh, very therapeutic and, and relief for me as well as I'm you know still around the game that I love and that I grew up playing since I was five years old. Yeah, definitely. Um, are you excited for the the tournament? Because because I am, I'm I'm ready for some sports to come back. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely am. I think you know MLS is gonna be back. I think you know we're gonna you know fill a void. Obviously, uh, the NWSL is kicking off, you know, right right before this tournament. But you know, to be one of the major leagues to kind of get back in, um, get back into action, you know, on, on the front end, it's, you know, it speaks volumes about the league and the ambitions that the league has. And I think the the tournament format is going to be really exciting, just to see, you know, you know, I think all these all these players have been kind of cooped up, and yeah. you know, they have their, you know, all players are very competitive and have that, you know. That, that eagerness to, to go out there and show themselves. So I think uh, I think we're going to see some good stuff out there, and excited to excited for the format to kind of kind of play out, and for players to really players to really exude themselves in the tournament. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think just like a tournament style is going to bring in new fans too, just because like people like like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree, and I think uh, with the you know the time slots, you mm-hmm. know the early morning games, and then you have the two. The late games, you know, you'd be able to you know, capture different markets. You're going to be able to ca- catch an international market, you know, who are, you know, up watching TV at different times of the day than we are here in the U.S. So mm-hmm. um, I think there's tons of benefits for it. And, you know, I think people are really seeking out sports content right now. Um, I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine, you know, the Bundesliga ratings are up right now, being mm-hmm. that, you know, they were one of the first leagues to really come back online um, and just seeing how excited people were for Bundesliga to come back. You know, I think we'll kind of see that same surge here with MLS coming back here um, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. Enjoy learning what it takes to become a better player from professional soccer players? Well, how would you like to work with professional players one-on-one? Now you can with Be Pro by Perfect Soccer. Head over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash B-E-P-R-O to apply to work with our network of pro players today. All right, are you ready for the five Quincy questions? Let's do it. All right, what what was the most important quality or skill that you feel helped you be successful as a pro player? I would say professionalism. You know, I was mm-hmm. I was never the most you know talented player. You know, I was hard hardworking. 
you know, I was, very, I was very simple, you know, get it and give it. But really, you know, coming into work every day, you know, putting in, you know, putting in the hours, you know, trying to take care of, take care of my body, you know, doing all, all the little things, you know, in the locker room, you know, trying to be a good teammate, you know, uplifting people, just, you know, doing those little things that, you know, really helps the team morale and, you know, doing some of the dirty work, you know, on the field. You know, as, as a defender, you never get all the, the shine and glory, which is never the reason I was I was in the sport for. Um, but just doing what I could to, to help the team win. So I think that would be the quality I would say kind of helped me throughout my career. What do you think the biggest mistake pro players are making? That's a good question. Um, I would probably say... I'd say right now is probably getting caught up into, you know, into social media too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of players, you know, obviously players want to, want to build their brand and I'm you know completely all for that. Um, but just knowing, you know, that a soccer career is, is very short, um, kind of putting too much emphasis, you know, on that side of it, mm-hmm. um, kind of takes your focus off, off elsewhere. Um, but, you know, just to, obviously knowing that you have to, you know, prep yourself for when the day ultimately ends when you're not able to, to play the game that you're able to love. I, I definitely get it, but um, I think there's, there's a balance that you have to find, which is tough, but I think, you know, you know, the, the more successful players find that balance of, you know, building their brand, but also honing in on their craft. So I definitely think there are some players who, you know, are too social media centric um, and that really takes their focus off, you know, capitalizing and, you know, making the most of the opportunity that, that they've been given. Yeah, and then what what is uh, some advice that you'd give a young player trying to make a pro league? Uh, I think my advice would be, from from a technical standpoint, um, from a technical standpoint, I'd say to, to really to work on, you know, your weak side. Um, that's something I wish I would have done, you know, at an earlier age and not side away from it. Um, you know, for me, you know, people, people always say like, you know, you want, you want, you want both sides to be equal. Um, so I wanted my left foot to be equal to my right, but you know, I was at some point there's times where I was scared of failure. So like, you know, I'd shy away from using my left foot cause I wanted the pass to be perfect. I wanted it to look good. So I put it back on my right foot and I think not being afraid to fail and, um, you know, really making some mistakes to, to get you where you want to be is definitely worth it. Um, you know, I think, you know, failing, failing, and failing, and then you get it right, you get it right, get it right. No, I think it's definitely worth putting in that time um, to fail a thousand times and, and succeed once. I think, you know, that sacrifice is worth it. So I'd be, I'd say just don't be afraid to fail and really, you know, you know, start, you know, do two times as much work with your weak foot as you do with your, your right foot or two times as much work with your left hand as your right hand if you're right-handed. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Uh, these next two are, they could be soccer related or, or you could answer them non-soccer related. So it's, uh, what, what is something that most people think is true that you believe isn't? I would say <laughs> that Le- Le- LeBron's the GOAT, I guess. <laughs> right. I'm going to go with MJ all day. I'm a big LeBron fan, but I feel like people these days think, think, uh, <laughs> LeBron's the go, and they, they haven't seen the clips of MJ, so I'm, I'm gonna go with that one. Yeah, I think after the MJ doc, a lot of younger kids uh, changed their mind. 
Yeah. Or at yeah, least yeah. They, at I'm, least they opened their eyes. The I'm, a, I'm a big LeBron fan, but yeah. MJ definitely takes a cake. Yeah. What's something you would move forward with if you weren't scared of the outcome? Um, that's a, that's a great question, actually. Um, I've always wanted, like, and I don't know what it, like, what it, what it is, but to <laughs> really have my own, something of my own in terms of business-wise. Um, but I feel like, you know, in today's climate, it's kind of scared people off a bit more knowing, you know, things that small businesses are, have, like, are going through um, in, in this COVID climate. Mm-hmm. You know, I think having my own business, whether it be in the, the fitness industry, you know, kind of sports mid, sports tech, something something along those lines, um, or maybe, like, sports consulting, just kind of taking that leap to, to do something on my own. Um, but obviously there's always that fear in the back of your mind. If it, if it fails, you know, being that competitor, uh, you always want to succeed in, in everything you do. Um, I believe at some point in time I'll break off to do something of my own, but I think that's definitely one. And definitely, given the times we're in right now, I could see you know being being tentative um, is definitely validated. But um, I feel like if you you know you believe in something enough, um, you know you've done the research, you're you're prepared, uh, you work for it. I think you know you can do anything and, and withstand some of those tough moments and tough times. But I think that would definitely be one of them. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you ready for some fun questions? Let's get into it. All right. Uh, who would be one jersey exchange with you would do in the MLS that you did, that you didn't do before and one overseas? So I don't know. It's, it might check off the same box, but I would say while I was playing, I would have loved to swap jerseys with Thierry Henry. Okay. Um, just think he's he's such a talent, and uh, you know, followed his career. Um, in Europe when he was at Arsenal and Barcelona. Um, so, you know, being able to, to play against him in MLS, would have, would have loved to swap jerseys with him. Um, today, uh, I would probably go with Mbappe. You know, right. I think he's a, you know, world-class talent, you know, who has all the tools in the world to be, you know, the best player in the world, you know, when, when Messi retires. But um, I think he, he I think he's definitely on his way. Yeah, and what about, since I know you're from uh, North Carolina and then you moved up to New England, what, what was, like, your favorite food up in New England? Oh, all, all the seafood. Give me all the seafood. All right. I, I love, um, I loved all the fresh seafood, the crab, crab legs, the lobster, the, the clam chowder. Give me all of that in New England. I'll be satisfied. All right. I like that. Um, and then the last one, if you weren't a pro soccer player, what do you, what do you think you would have done? Um, honestly, I probably would have, if I didn't play, play, I guess the, you know, the longevity that I had, I probably would have gone to business school. Mm Um, I know there was a point in my career or when I was younger, I wanted to be like an orthopedic surgeon. And then I think I got a little bit older and the thought of like seeing blood squirt out (laughs) here and there all the time was (laughs) made me a little queasy. So I, I figured that wasn't a good match. Um, but yeah, I definitely probably would have gone um, to business school if I if I, if I hadn't chosen to, to go, um, if I hadn't chosen to play pro. Um, yeah. Really not sure in terms of what I think that would have helped me kind of hone in exactly what I wanted to do. And I actually still thought about 
you know, going to business school once, once I retire. But it, you know, the the point in life that I was when when I retired just wasn't mm-hmm. quite feasible. But um, definitely, I've had some some teammates. You know, one being Steve Newman, who um, who retired after being playing in New England for for three or four years, um, and recently finished um, his business school degree at Georgetown. So, you know, big kudos to him. But um, that's definitely something I would have done just to kind of continue to hone in on you know, business business skills and business acumen um, and kind of prep myself for what, it, what was to come next in life. Yeah, definitely wasn't expecting the surgeon one. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, me uh, either. I don't, I don't think I was quite ready for that. I think, I think it sounded good, and I think I was intrigued by, like, injuries, but the thought of, you know, yeah. you know cutting people open and you know, <laughs> yeah. seeing blood on a daily basis didn't, didn't really mesh too well. Yeah, I feel you on that. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, could you let the listeners know where they could uh, follow you at on social media? No, I appreciate it. It was a great chat. Um, feel free to follow me at D underscore Barnes 25 on both Instagram and Twitter. All right, again, appreciate it. Uh, have a good one. All right, you too. Quincy Marroquois here, and thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with someone you feel will get some value from it. And if you could take a moment to leave a review of our podcast wherever you're listening and let us know who you'd like us to interview next, we'll get working on that right away. You can listen to this full episode and more at perfectsoccerskills.com slash radio. That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash R-A-D-I-O. You can also enter to win free weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash P-S-T-M to enter to win for free today.